Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. This is Erin Staples, and I am a community advocate at Orbit. Orbit is kind of like mission control for your community, so it's a good place for you to see the activities, the habits, all of that thing, that second brain for community builders to actually take actionable insights on things. I'm based in Brooklyn, New York, but needless to say, like contracted with companies all through grad school, was actually not hired at Orbit right out of grad school, worked at another company, but it just like wasn't a good fit and was kind of like actually venting to Rosie about this. And I was like, yeah, like, I don't really know what I want to do with my life. I, this isn't a fit. I'm not happy here, but I don't know what's next. And she's like, well, I just got hired at this company orbit. And I'm like, cool. Good for you. Like, and like, but she's like, well, I'll, let me nudge and see if they're hiring and, you know, send your information in. And yeah. So the story goes three weeks later, they were like, do you want a job here? So now I'm here. When did you first become interested in technology? Because you were interested in journalism and politics. Were you interested in tech at that time? And and you started with graphic design, which is tech. Yeah, I think um, probably like that first agency or the the creative studio, because like we did have like some tech clients. So it was really fun because I got to have like my hands dirty with some of it and like see it, but you were in the agency perspective and like very much a creative studio. And so I really liked that. And then I actually loved it again and grad schools, like a couple of the companies I, you know, worked at an e-commerce startup during grad school. I did a lot of like e-commerce, like agency contracting in grad school, but it was a lot of them. Like I, like many times I was working with a tech company through these agencies. Yeah. And it was always like this, like very like dreamy, like in cue dream sequence of like, what would it be like if I was over there and not on the agency side? And what does your day-to-day look like now? It depends on the day. (laughs) So I think that's a, One of the things I love most is I get to be, Orbit is pretty asynchronous remote. So we don't have like a work nine to five, like work. And was it always remote even before the pandemic? Yeah, they've always been a pretty remote, pretty asynchronous culture. Um, So one founder is in San Francisco and the other founder is in Paris. Oh, wow. So uh, yeah, like I work with Rosie, who's in Brighton, United Kingdom a lot. um, And everybody's kind of like, around the globe. So like we have one other person in New York right now and we don't meet up and work together. And it's not because we don't like each other. It's just because we're at our house and that's cool. And like, (laughs) but it is like an option. Like if you do want to like go to, I know like the San Francisco team, they have like a WeWork that they go to every so often, but I don't think everybody goes every day. And like, it's definitely an option. Like if you want it, you can create that and have that. But I think a lot of people really like that we have that remote lifestyle. How do, you, for us? how do you maintain, I hear this a lot in like in the whole debate of remote versus in person. How do you 
maintain a really great work culture when being remote? And how do you mitigate miscommunications and uh, foster more uh, collaborative creativity? Yeah, I think it's a great, um, I think it first comes down to trust. Like you have to be in a place that you're trusted fully. And like, you have to have trust in your teammates. You have to have trust in yourself, trust in your leadership team that they're being transparent. I think out of everywhere that I've worked or even contracted with, this is like the best place I've ever worked. And I don't just say that, like I've worked at places that I'm like, Ooh, yeah, no, don't ever talk to me after hours. And it's, there is a lot of trust. And I think that's a big thing. Um, I think the other thing is you have to be very intentional and explicit on what you want. Like there's a blog post, like we reference a lot and it's like, it's, I'm blanking on the person who wrote it off the Cinity's links after, but it's like, we just don't allow that here. So, you know, being very intentional, like this is the way that we act. This is how we carry ourselves out. Hi everyone, Becky Flint here from founder and CEO of Dragon Boat, a purpose-built outcome-focused product portfolio tool for outcome-focused product leaders and product organizations. I am from the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I didn't really fully utilize my uh, my education, so to speak. I literally fell into technology. Uh, I actually came to US when I was fully grown from China. And I came here for business. So I went to business school in San Francisco. And that was 1997. So for some of you, if you're older, you remember that was the time of Web 1.0, right? So I was in business school and I took a finance major concentration. So I thought, hey, if you business, the finance make a lot of sense, right? Business and finance. And next thing you know, the dot-com was happening. There's a lot of startups. All my you know, students and everyone's just working at different tech companies. And then one of my classmates, he started his own company doing web development and building websites for companies all over the place. There was just such a big demand. And I thought, hey, I better go find some real-world real experience. And next thing you know, it was so exciting. I was working with the customers, the design product, learned to code. And I all of a sudden, I became a tech person. I was like, forget about MBA, forget <laughs> about finance. This is so much more fun. And, and that's how, how I started to get into tech and then even started uh, uh, another, like a little startup company trying to do a B2B exchange for, for, uh, uh, for a computer manufacturing product. And then it was all fun, exciting. And guess what? Next thing you know, .com bursted. So then I have to go back, quote unquote, the real world. So then I started to work, you know, this is the time where my MBA in finance has started to rescue right. me because I actually have an MBA in finance. I was able to find the roles in uh, some of the, the, the financial companies, was in Wells Fargo for a while and, and was in you know, Schwab for a while. And next, you know, I, I heard of the PayPal. I was like, oh, cool. This is a tech. And it's also finance. Oh, that's just like so lucky. It's just a luck, right? It's just a luck. Wow. That's so lucky. Wait, keep going. I'm just like blown away that because you had that combination of background, PayPal made sense. But at the time, it was just yet another. Yeah, right. It was just a name on a list. It wasn't PayPal at the time. No, no, it was it was a small company. It wasn't really that big name. So that I left, you know, really nice job at IT at uh, not well back then called IT at the Wells Fargo to, to go to PayPal. And and in some ways also very lucky because I live in the South Bay and Wells Fargo in San Francisco and PayPal's in South Bay. I said, hey, 
it's a, it's a tech company. It does a it does a fintech finance. There's no fintech back in the days, right? Something related to finance, right. and then it's a tech. And I love tech. I really, I mean, you know, once I went to tech, and I realized, you know, finance is great, but it's just too stable and not a lot of changes. And and tech's much more fun. So yeah. That's what happened. I went to PayPal. It was a pure luck. Uh, I was very, very lucky. And 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 PayPal team was like, well, you don't really have a lot of experience, and maybe you just coming as a junior project manager. I was like, I just like this company. I didn't care about my job title. I could be take a higher level role, but I like the company. I think it was really cool. So I joined the company. It was just a good time. Like you know, a lot of times you would say, hey, if you find a cool company that. You may could I go take a step down? I yeah. think you should do it. Hi, this is Amanda Tice. I am the author of the New Mom Code, which is a transformational guidebook that helps mothers shatter unrealistic expectations and crush it at motherhood. I am currently based in Austin, Texas. It's simple, but just start writing. You know, I think people are so, like I said, they're so bogged down in how is this supposed to look? How should this look? doesn't matter how it should look. Maybe you'll write in a fashion that is so groundbreaking and new that you'll change the industry, right? So I just feel like if you can take the time to sit down and write about something that inspires you, then you're already on your way to being able to write a book. It's just a question of making the time and not being scared to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, scared what, to be successful. Yeah, you are. You're, exactly. you're either, yeah, yeah. Well, it was interesting the other day because I actually had a lunch meeting with my publisher and he, was, he wasn't asking for career advice, but he was asking career advice kind of for his daughter, who I think is about 21 or 22. And, you know, what I would recommend or, you know, she was interested in television and whatnot. But I was saying, I feel like a lot of people are so focused on success instead of being focused on what they enjoy. So they look for routes of how they can either make a lot of money or become famous or whatever those things are. And they lose sight of the fact that what's actually important is that you choose something you love. And even if you choose something you love that seems ridiculous, if you actually love it and are passionate about it, that's when you find success. It's not the other way around. And I I think people get really, you know, I don't even know what the right word is, but they stop themselves from being successful by focusing on the success instead of what it is that they actually want to do with their lives and spend their lives doing. Recently, I've been getting these opportunities to be a part of things that have the potential to be like big tech. And the first thing I think to myself is what I enjoy my life day to day. And when I ask questions like that in these meetings, the responses are like, but there will be big investment money and then there will be this. And I'm like, okay, but like, am I going (laughs) to enjoy my life day to day? Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, like, because if I apply the next, you know, two to four years of my life, is that the life I want to live? Like, or how, like, what, what's my probability on money I could make if I don't have all of that stress? <laughs> like, right, right, right. For sure. So it's really interesting how kind of like jaded we are as a society by forgetting that the point is to enjoy life. Like, right, right. Yeah. No, I agree. 
I mean, for me, it wasn't when I started writing this book, I never had the expectation of necessarily getting it published. It was more for me that I love writing and I've journaled since I was in fourth grade and I love the way I feel when I'm writing. And so it just, it it kind of just happened in that way because it was something that I loved to do anyway. And then once I kind of had my manuscript done, I was so elated because I was like, wow, this could actually have an impact on so many mothers. Like I've put together something that if it just impacts one mother and makes her journey into motherhood just a little bit, you know, more tolerable and happy and makes her life better in some way, it would have all been worth the time expenditure. You know, but that's, that's why I'm not focused necessarily on selling as many books as possible and, you know, making all this money, becoming an author. Like my focus is more on how many, you know, new mothers can I impact with this book? Because I really feel like it is impactful enough that, you know, it can make a big change to someone's life and change their perspective and make their experience that much better. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.